all my life, you have been faithful. Even when I didn't realize it, he was faithful. All my life, you've been so, so good. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. Haven't we all lived in the goodness of God? God's goodness is running after us, folks. He's better than we dreamed. And with every breath that we're able to, we need to be singing about the goodness of God, too. I believe we just, we just did that. I'm thankful for worship. I'm thankful for our worship team. I'm thankful for worship videos. Just, we were created for worship. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for the freedom we have here to worship you. We can sit, we can kneel, we can pray, we can shout, we can clap, we can whatever. We have that freedom here. We thank you for that. It's a great privilege to feel free to worship you in a public high school. We don't take that for granted, Lord. We always want to be grateful and thankful for how you've blessed us here. So come now and give us ears to hear what your spirit is speaking to the church. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, before we get into today's message, uh, let's do a little listening exercise. We haven't done one of those in a while, but we would do them occasionally just to help us tune in, to really sharpen our hearing, to listen, listen well without any distractions. Uh, I'm going to name 10 items from the menu of Lassiter's Coffee Shop, and then I'm going to ask you to remember one of them, okay? Everybody ready? Here we go. Number one, toasted marshmallow latte. Number two, ham, egg, and cheese croissant. Number three, blended caramel mocha. Number four, sausage, egg, and cheese bagel. Number five, iced vanilla latte. <gasps> Number six, bacon, egg, and cheese muffin. Number seven, strawberry banana smoothie. Number eight, turkey and Swiss panini. Number nine, English toffee latte. And number 10, iced royal berry tea. I listed four food items and six drink items, but who can remember what number three was? Just shout it out. Uh-huh. <laughs> what, Crystal? All right. What'd you say, Stephen? And Inga, did you or Heather say something? Which one was it, Chris? Blended caramel mocha. You had caramel in there. All right, I'll buy you one. When we go to last week's, I'll treat you to coffee. My treat, okay? Okay, we're ready now, right? We're tuned in. We're focused. Today's the last Sunday in July. And it was on the last Sunday of July in 2007 that Joy Christian Fellowship was born. 2007. God gave us life as a new local body, of the, a part of the body of Christ. And I remember people saying, oh, I didn't know you, you changed the name of the church because some of us came out of another church and I said, no, we didn't, we didn't change the name of the church. That was one church, and, and this is another one. This, this is a new one. That, that, that season is over. This is the beginning of a, of a new season. And when you stop and really think about it, isn't it incredible? We've been meeting here for 14 years this week. 14 years. That's a long time. Thanks to the grace of God, right? Thanks to his favor. I mean, this school's had three different principles in that time. We're still here. Thank you, Jesus. Right. So as we enter into a new season as a church family, this school and all the other schools, including all the homeschoolers, 
we're all getting ready to begin a new season as well. And like I said earlier, Guinevere, as I like to call her, and Heather are beginning a new season in their lives as college students this fall. That's going to happen real soon. College students, Scott. Wow. Others are moving up from middle school to high school, so that's a new season. Some are moving up from elementary school to middle school. Some may be starting elementary school for the first time. Some may be starting homeschooling for the first time, or it's a new season for the homeschooling. And some of us older folks have recently entered into a new season of employment, or we're considering a new season of employment. Scott recently entered into a new season called retirement, and he's loving it. He's loving it. The only problem with retirement, Scott, is you never get a day off. That, that's the only problem with that. But. So we're going to talk about new seasons of life this morning. The title of this morning's message is New Seasons, New Changes, and New Challenges. That's a good, good header up there, Chris. We're going to be looking at a verse in Ecclesiastes 3, Joshua chapter 1, and 1 Kings chapter 2 and 3. So let's start with a word of prayer. Father, again, you've tuned us in. We, listen, we had the listening exercise. Inga got it right. So tune us in and let us not miss anything you have to say to us here this morning, I pray, in the name, in the power, and in the authority of Jesus our Christ. Amen. Two things we want to look at this morning. Number one, stepping into a new season brings new changes. And number two, stepping into a new season brings new challenges. Probably already aware of that. Probably already experienced that. I'm sure we've all dealt with or we're still dealing with new changes and new challenges. And that can be exciting. But it could also be a little scary. Could it be a little intimidating? That's why we need to ask the Lord to lead us and ask the Lord to guide our steps before we just jump into something feet first. And if we're going to ask the Lord to do that, then we have to be willing to get up and move our feet, right? It's not on the screen, but in Psalm 25, verse 4 and 5, the psalm writer David said, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Give, guide me in your truth and teach me. Don't ask the Lord to lead you and guide you and teach you if you're not willing to listen and, and move your feet with him, right? Because he's probably going to give you some direction or instruction that you may not like. You might say, I wasn't thinking about that, Lord. Well, if it's, if it's coming from him, it's better than anything we can come up with. Let's look at our first scripture. It's a familiar one at an old hippie band from the 60s called The Birds, made popular in the song Turn, Turn, Turn. As a little musical side note. Pete Seeger wrote the song in the late 50s. A folk group called the Limelighters recorded it in 1962. Judy Collins recorded it in 1963, but the Birds made it a number one hit in 1965. So that's a little music history for you. And Scott, our presidential expert. Who was the president in 1965? Okay, see, this guy knows all the presidents and when they were presidents. Okay. All right. Let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. To everything there is a season, turn, turn, no, that's the song. To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. There's a season and there's a purpose for everything here, whether we realize it or not. We serve an eternal God, but he's also a God of seasons. But he doesn't measure seasons like we do with our calendars and our clocks. 
He measures seasons with truth and revelation. And whenever God gives us a, a fresh word, we've stepped into a new season with him. And as the scripture says, to everything, there is a, a season. Every aspect of our lives is as to a season. And there's a purpose for every one of those seasons God takes us through. A reason for every season we step into, and there's a purpose and a process for that season. Because let's face it, there are some seasons we didn't want to go through. I know I've had some seasons I sure didn't want to go through. Anybody else? Yeah. But through those difficult seasons, we learned some things that we probably would have never learned at a conference or by listening to a podcast or listening to a YouTube video. And, and if you're in a challenging season of life right now, keep asking the Lord, what is it that he wants you to learn? Believe me, you don't want to miss it. There are some lessons I learned that I don't want to have to relearn because they were too painful to learn the first time. I don't want to go through that learning process again. How many know what I'm talking about? It can be painful. There are seasons in our life that we go through. We may not even know why we had to go through them. We may not know this side of heaven. Why? But we need to trust that there was a reason for it, that there was a purpose for it. Now, sometimes God prepares us for a new season that's coming, and we know it. We have a little heads up on it. We're preparing for stuff. Other times, it seems like we're just thrown headlong into, into it without any warning, and boom, there we are. But then sometimes, not always, but sometimes we can look back, and we can see we were being prepared for a new season. We just didn't realize that at the time what was coming. God knew, but we didn't. Because like I said the other week, he sees the beginning, the end, and everything in the middle. And all we see is right now, right here. But he sees it all. And he may have been preparing us, and we didn't know it. Until years later, we look back and say, that's what that was all for. That's what that was about. And when a new season brings about new changes and new challenges, God doesn't just shelter us from the change. He'll protect us, but, but he uses that change. He uses that challenge to prepare us for new seasons of opportunity and service service to him, service to others, opportunities to help build his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. New seasons and new experiences stretch us beyond our current comfort zones. Sometimes we just rush through the signs because we want to get through this season and we miss out the very things he's trying to point out to us. And that's sad because every one of us have so much undeveloped potential in our lives. Every one of us have been guilty of coulda, woulda, shoulda, right? Listen, productive seasons don't just happen automatically just because God's in it. We need to prepare for a productive new season like a farmer prepares his fields for a new growing season. We need to prepare for a productive season in our lives. There was a man in the Old Testament who experienced many productive seasons in his life when he was Moses' right-hand man. But after Moses died, this guy was placed in an entirely new season of leadership, of opportunity. I'm talking about Joshua. Now, Joshua already knew he was going to be Moses' successor. He had been in training with Moses for 40 years. That's a lot of training, 40 years. He not only had the experience, he already had his commission for the future. And this day arrived in Joshua chapter 1, Verse 2 and 3, let's look at that. God tells Joshua, 
Moses, my servant is dead. It's a pretty clear ending to a season right there, isn't it? Moses, my servant is dead. You're up to bat, Joshua. It's your turn. Your new season begins right now. Now then, you and all these people, get ready. Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. Listen to this. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. God is saying, I will give you every place where you set your foot. Now, I don't know why they put feet because he had two feet, but it says, anyway, the way it's worded, set your foot as I promised Moses. What a promise. Every place, wherever you step, that's for you, that's for you, that's for you. I'm going to give it all to you. And God's given Joshua his vision for his preferred future for the Israelites, but that doesn't mean the people would listen, does it? You know, God has a preferred future for your life and for my life while we're here. But that doesn't mean we'll listen either, does it? We still like to do things our way instead of God's way. When, when do you think we'll learn his ways are best? Joshua didn't have all the details, but he knew the first step he needed to take. He had to get ready. Right? He had to get ready. He needed to get himself ready. He needed to get the people ready. And he had the assurance that God would be with him just as he was with Moses. Now, although God told Joshua what was to take place, it wasn't going to happen automatically. They weren't just going to walk into the promised land, sit down, put their feet up. There were some barriers in the way. For starters, the promised land was already occupied by some not very nice people. And they weren't just going to pack up their stuff and leave because Joshua and the Israelites were coming in. Another obstacle was the Jordan River. The river stood between them and the promised land. And there was no easy way to cross it. And another thing, it was flood season. You think, God, couldn't you have picked a better time of year than the flood season? It's probably the worst time of year to begin this journey. But the vision and the promise were still there. And Joshua wasn't going to give up on it, even when there were obstacles in the way. He didn't say, just not feeling it, Lord. Not today, maybe later. And I wondered, do we give up? Do we give up on the vision and the promise God gives us in his word because we see obstacles and we see barriers in our way and we don't want to take them on? We don't want to trust God will figure out a way for us? See, Joshua might have thought, I can't do this. I'm not Moses. This is too hard. There's too many problems to overcome. It's the wrong time of year. He could have come up with all kinds of excuses, but he didn't let the vision die with Moses, did he? No. He didn't let the dream die. And Joshua didn't know exactly how this was going to play out, but he was willing and he was committed to what God was directing him to do. He was all in. To go all out for God was already part of Joshua's character. He was in touch with God on a daily basis. There's a key for all of us. Be in touch with God on a daily basis. And God knew he can count on Joshua because he was in it to win it. And, but can God count on us like he counted on Joshua? Can he count on us when we encounter barriers or obstacles, when we're following his plans and commands and it gets tough and we say, oh, I don't know. And he says, no, 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 don't stop. Don't give up. Stay with me. Are we all in when it comes to following the Lord's directions? Is to go all out for God, is that already part of our character? Or are we wanting to back off when the going gets tough and just sit, sit on the edge, stay on the fringe, 
where it's safer, where it's more predictable, where we have more control. See, that's not having faith. That, that's not trusting God. Joshua could have stayed right at the edge of the promised land, right? So, well, this, this ain't too bad. We've kind of been used to it. We've been running around for 40 years. Maybe we're close to the river. Maybe we, maybe we just stay here and we'll adjust to it. Israelites had the opportunity to enter the promised land for 40 years. Not 40 days, 40 years. But they failed to trust God to give them the victory against their enemies. And because of fear and unbelief, they wandered around in the wilderness until the disobedient generation died off. Joshua and Caleb, they were the only two from that older generation who went into the promised land. And I wonder if fear and unbelief and maybe a lack of trust is what's keeping us from taking possession of the promises God has for us. Can we trust the Lord more than those wandering Israelites trusted him to give us our victory, to give us our breakthrough? We may not need, we may need to ask ourselves this morning, am I right on the fringe? Am I right at the edge of a new season? Am I Am I right at the edge of my breakthrough of, of a promise being fulfilled? Because if so, we, we need to, to move. We need to move beyond the edge. We need to be like Joshua and make an all-out-for-God commitment and be willing to pay the price, whatever that may be. Joshua did. God promised Joshua he'd give him every place where he set his foot. That his territory would extend from the desert in the south to, to Lebanon in the north and from the great river Euphrates to the Mediterranean Sea in the West, God promised him. It's not like one of people promising us stuff and, and not delivering. God promised Joshua. Promise him no one will be able to stand up against him. That's quite a promise. Now, it would be a struggle, but he was promising him nobody's going to be able to stand against you. Nobody's going to be able to defeat you. As God was with Moses, so would he be with Joshua. He would never leave Joshua. He would never forsake him. Those were the promises. But here were God's commands to Joshua. Be strong. Be courageous. Be confident. Be brave. Again, be strong. Be courageous. Obey the law of Moses, Joshua. Don't turn from it. Don't turn to the left or to the right. In other words, don't get sidetracked, Joshua. Don't get sidetracked by people or things. Don't let stuff get in your way of following me. Oh, that's good. God's telling someone that this morning, I believe. Don't let stuff get in your way of following him. Okay? That's what he's saying to somebody. If it's you, let me know later. Don't let the book of the law depart from your mouth, Joshua. Meditate on it. Think long and hard about my word. Study it. Hide it in your heart. Observe it. Obey it. Do what it says. And do not be terrified. Don't be discouraged. Man, discouragement is a powerful weapon that the enemy loves to use on us. We want the blessings and the promises of God, don't we? Don't we? I mean, come on, I do. <laughs> I sure do. We want the blessings. We want the promises too, but we don't really want the requirements that go with it. See, Joshua was willing to pay the price of commitment to God. He conformed himself to the law of God. He made it his everyday MO. He, he meditated on it. So he would clearly understand it. And then he could confidently put it into practice because he understood it. 
It's hard to put something into practice that we don't understand, right? I mean, it just makes sense. So here's a question. Are we here at Joy, are we willing to live our lives within the commands of God and possess his promises like Joshua did? Or do we tend to drift off to the right, to the left? Are we neglecting our relationship with our Papa God? Do, do we only come to him when we want something or are in a desperate place? Do we even give him the time of day when life is good? Are we too busy for him? He's never too busy for us. Do we pray every day? Do we meditate on his word every day? Do, do, are we connected to a fellowship of other believers where we can be encouraged? You guys are because you're here. We need to be connected where we can be encouraged and, and where we can encourage others who maybe are wandering in their own wilderness and, and maybe they're right on the edge of the promised land and they're not sure they can trust God enough to keep pushing in. Not sure they can trust him for the victory. They need encouragement. We need each other. Right? We need to encourage one another. We need each other. We all need Jesus. Joshua knew that, that for him to step into this new season and be successful at leading this mission, he needed to be operating within commands of God. Otherwise, he'd get sidetracked by all kinds of stuff. So we need to look at Joshua's life as an example of the right way to step into a, a new season when we're facing new challenges and new changes. And to be aware of what's involved in preparing for a new season, whether it's for an individual, whether it's for a couple, whether it's for a family, whether it's for a church, even if it's for a business. Entering into a new season of life can be refreshing, right? It can be exciting, but it can also be a little scary. It can also be a little intimidating. Starting a new job. That's exciting, but it can be scary when you're used to something for a long time and to start something new. Getting married is both exciting and scary because you're saying you want to spend the rest of your life with that person. Having kids is exciting and scary. Making a decision to really follow Christ can both be exciting and scary. And I don't mean getting saved and getting baptized and then just go and live the way you want to live your life. I mean a decision and a commitment to really, really follow Christ and live a godly life seven days a week, not just one. So let's look at another example. Someone in the Bible who is about to enter into a new season of life and what we can learn from his example today, July 25th, 2021. Because if we can't learn from this stuff, these are just a bunch of old stories, you know. But they're for us. This is an instruction book, God's instruction book, God's love letter to us, how to live this life. His plans are so much better than ours. All his ways are good. I don't understand half of them, but i got to believe, like the song said, he's always been faithful. All right, Solomon was King David's son, and David was close to the end of his life, and he needs a little father-son chat with Solomon before he passes on. So we're going to be, let's look at 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. That's chapter 2 of 1 Kings, verse 1 and 2. As the time of King David's death approached, he gave this charge to his son Solomon. I am going where everyone on earth must someday go. You didn't know they had a Walmart back in David's day, did you? <laughs> I'm going where everybody on earth must someday go. Take courage and be a man. But that's a word for all of us guys. Take courage and be a man. It's time to grow up. 
David goes on in verse 3. Observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all his ways. All his ways, not just the ones we prefer. Keep each of the laws, commands, regulations, and stipulations written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in all you do and wherever you go. Wow, it's another promise. Not exactly the same words God gave Joshua, but very similar commands. New seasons bring new changes, and there were some major changes happening in Solomon's life. His dad was dying. The man who led Israel successfully for so many years was dying. The man whom the people loved, the man who was after God's own heart, King David, Solomon's dad, was dying. And now Solomon was expected to fill his sandals, and he had to be dealing with some mixed emotions. A lot of sadness, knowing his dad wasn't going to be around much longer. But also, I'm sure he was probably felt a little excitement, maybe some nervousness and fear about stepping into a new season as a new king. He was going to be the king. It's probably a little scary. Probably a little intimidating. Maybe it was a lot intimidating. I mean, he's going to be the king of Israel. And he might have been wondering, how, how will I be able to lead like my father? Things are about to change for him. And, and when it comes to change for us, we have this kind of like love-hate relationship with it. Sometimes we want things to change because if they didn't change, it was the same old, same old things would get kind of boring. I got to tell you, every now and then, boring ain't bad. <laughs> don't need the drama. Don't want the drama. No, thank you. Some people can't seem to live without it. No, thank you. So we may not want things to get boring, and we may want things to change, but we also want things kind of to stay the same because we've grown accustomed to things just the way they are, right? We're creatures of habit. We like to know what to expect. And change brings uncertainty into our life. And that's what brings us doubts, and that's what brings us fear, the things we don't know, the things we're not sure of, right? We're excited about getting married, but what will married life really be like? Can I spend the rest of my life with her? <laughs> Can I spend the rest of my life with him? We're excited about having children, but can we really raise them by biblical principles in such a crazy world we're living in? I'm excited about starting a new job, but will I be able to do it well? Will it pay enough for me to take care of my family, or should I do something else, or just stay where I am? We like to know in advance what any change is going to require of us. The only problem with that is we're not really trusting God then. But for us to grow in our relationship with God, for us to grow in our faith, we need to learn to trust Him more. We need to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. That's what the Bible says. In this world, we walk by, by faith, not by sight. Someday our faith will be sight. Can't wait. But this requires that we move forward in the midst of new changes and new challenges and the uncertainty we may face. That takes courage. That takes boldness, just like God was telling Joshua, be courageous. Don't be afraid. As our faith grows, did you know that brings pleasure to God? That brings glory to God because without faith, the Bible tells us it's impossible to please God. So as our faith grows, that brings God pleasure. 
And for Solomon to grow in faith and for him to please God, he needed to experience new changes. He needed to experience new challenges. King David needed to go on and enter into eternity so Solomon could enter into his new season and become the king God wanted him to be. And Solomon knew the task at hand was huge. And now, how was he going to face that challenge? The Lord appears to Solomon in a dream. This is a wonderful dream. And he asked Solomon, what do you want? What do you want? Ask me, and I'll give it to you. Wow, that's a nice dream, isn't it? Have God ask me for whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. Now, he could ask for riches and wealth and all this stuff. We're going to see what he asked for. God gave him it all. God gave him it all to him. Ask me for whatever you want, Solomon, and I'll give it to you. This is how Solomon answers in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 6. Solomon answers, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. Notice he didn't mention Bathsheba. <laughs> you have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. He goes on, verse 7 and verse 8. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David. And listen to this. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. I wasn't sure how old Solomon was, but I looked it up, and there's debate over whether he was 12 years old, he was 13, 14, no more than 15. But imagine, imagine he's 12, imagine he's 15 even, and this Teenager is going to become the king of Israel. But he's humbly confessing his ability to do this. He's like, I'm only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous, too numerous to count or to number. Verse 9. Now remember, Solomon is somewhere between 12 and 15, and God told him he would give him anything he wanted. How many 15-year-olds do you know would answer God like this, verse 9. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. Wow. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? This is a teenage boy. Another translation reads like this. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. It's amazing. Who is able to govern this great people of yours? Young Solomon sure had a, an awesome and challenging task before him. And, and many of us may have challenging tasks that lie ahead of us. And maybe you're having a very challenging time in raising your children well so they don't grow up to be spoiled. Maybe they're beginning to challenge your authority. Don't you hate when it happens? <laughs> you start thinking for themselves. And you're not sure of the right way of handling it. That happens in the best of homes. Maybe you're facing challenges in your marriage. Maybe you're facing challenges in your job. Whatever the challenge is, how do we face it? How, how do we get through it? We don't ask Dr. Phil. We sure don't ask Oprah. We face it like Solomon faced it, with humility, seeking God's wisdom, instead of just doing what we want. In the book of James, chapter 1, verse 5, James writes, If any of you lack wisdom, 
I would think that that includes all of us from time to time. If any of you lack wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all, not just some, to all, and it says without finding fault. It's like he's not going to say, yeah, you screwed up. You should have come to me sooner. Yeah, I told you not to do that. You went and did it anyway. No, he's going to give us wisdom if we ask for it generously. That's another great promise from God's word. Consult God first. We need his wisdom when we're facing challenging situations in our lives. We need to be in prayer. I mean, ask prayer warriors to pray for you. I know Bobby will text people to pray for a situation. Other people will text her, hey, here's what's going on. And she'll say, hey, we've got to stop what we're doing and pray right now. Do that several times in the course of a day. If you're going to tell somebody you're going to pray for them, pray for them. Get some prayer warriors to pray for you. Seek wise counsel. Nobody seems to want to seek wise counsel anymore. They just want to decide what we want to do, and, and then we do it. And then we wonder why things aren't working out so well. Ask them, Lord, how should I be teaching my children to respect my authority and to obey your principles? Hey, if we're not living by biblical principles, we sure can't expect our kids to. Ask him, Lord, what do I need to be doing in my marriage? Not what does my spouse need to be doing. What do I need to be doing? Lord, give me wisdom in being a better employee at work. Seek his wisdom. Let, let's accept the changes that come when we step into a, a new season of life because sometimes they're hard. And sometimes there's, there's more to it than we originally thought. Solomon accepted the changes that came his way, and he faced the challenges that occurred with humility, seeking the Lord's wisdom. And as he continued to move forward with God, he was able to do mighty things for the Lord. You know, and there's another thing that happens when we enter in a new season of life and, and we're willing to follow the Lord's commands. Remember, I said earlier, stepping into a new season brings new changes. Stepping into a new season brings new challenges. And stepping into a new season also gives birth to new champions, okay? Moses was a champion for God. Joshua was a champion for God. David was a champion for God. And Solomon was a champion for God. He really messed it up at the end, but he was a champion for God. And if you and I, if we're willing to humble ourselves and we're able to, willing to put our trust in the Lord instead of just ourselves, and if we'll follow what he wants us to do, we too can be champions for God. He didn't create us to be chumps. He created us to be champs, okay? It starts by accepting the changes God may want to make in our lives. And sometimes that's the struggle. But I don't want to do it that way, Lord. Walking in faith through the challenges and moving forward humbly and obediently into what the Lord would have us to do. That's, that's how a real champion is born, all right? Maybe, maybe we're unsure of what the Lord is wanting us to do, but there are some things we can be sure of. He wants us to surrender our hearts to him. We know that. He wants us saved. He wants us to obey his word. He wants us to love him and to love others. He wants us to help build his kingdom here. And he wants us to help with the harvest. Revival is starting. There's the great harvest coming. 
And Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So let's start there. Let's be his co-laborers and help his kingdom grow. Remember, we're created to be champs, not chumps. He did it for Moses. He did it for Joshua. He did it for David. He did it for Solomon. He'll do it for you, and he'll do it for me. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Stand if you're, if you're able. Remember, next Sunday we're going to do the prayer walk after worship. Lord, we thank you for the truth in your word. We thank you that these promises are there, and we, we love the promises, but you show us in your word the requirements, the instructions you gave Joshua before those promises came true, the instructions you gave Solomon before those promises came true. And the same thing goes for us. You've got these wonderful, great promises for us that we can rest on, but our part is listening and obeying your commands. And for some reason, we don't like that part of it. It's like we, we just think we got a better way sometimes. We want the blessing, but we're not willing to do the other. So help us. Give us a, a moldable, teachable, repentive, humble heart, willing to accept the changes in our lives, willing to accept the challenges in our life, but knowing that you're there with us and you're going to produce champions if we pursue you, if we'll follow you all the days of our lives. We won't get it right all the time. I'm still trying to get it right more than the times I get it wrong. But you understand that. You know our hearts. Help us where we're weak. Strengthen us where we're weak. Encourage us where we're discouraged this morning. Give us strength where, where we're worn out. Give us hope where we look at things as being hopeless. Nothing is impossible with you, God. So take our impossible situation, take our challenging thing, the season that we're in, and help us trust you more and get us to the other side safely. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.